Welcome to Gospel Central, where we discuss topics that will encourage Christians to live their lives in a way that's pleasing to God. We're especially interested to know how the very center of the Christian faith, that is the good news of Jesus' death and resurrection, empowers us to live these lives that are zealous for God and pleasing to Him. So we are your hosts, I'm Simon. And I'm Ed. And we're really glad that you've joined us today. Well, Ed, Happy New Year. Happy New Year to you. And... uh Simon, what are you looking forward to this uh, year, 2021? Well, well, I think uh, that's not hard for me to think about. I'm looking forward to having church again and seeing people. Mm -hmm. Uh, This day that we're recording this, we just had our first physical gathering of Redemption Hill Church on Sunday the 10th of January. Mm -hmm. First one in 10 months. So we had our last service 15th of March. And so it's been a long time being online only. And so it was fantastic to be able to see some people on Sunday. And I am, that is what I'm most looking forward to in 2021, is uh, being able to gather with God's people, sing uh, when we're allowed to sing, worship, see each other's faces, enjoy communion together. So that is my, that's what I'm looking forward to most by a long shot. Uh, What are you looking forward to, Ed? He caught me off guard. We've got to think about this. (laughs) Um... I'm looking forward to this year because um, my daughter is doing her PSLEs. All right. So I'm not sure looking forward is actually the right word. I don't think looking forward is the right word, Ed. Yeah, but it is <laughs> indeed uh, going to be a challenging and interesting year for myself and my family. Looking forward to either growing or failing as a parent. <laughs> I'm sure you'll do a fantastic job. If you need help, the Murphys are on hand. We've had two kids that have been through that. You're an experienced PSI parent. This is my first time. I'm sure you'll do a great job. Yeah, well, I am looking forward to many great things in 2021. Yeah, I guess, uh, Simon, when people look at you, people must must think, man, this guy is born an elder. (laughs) Why? And I guess, um, you know, new resolutions. People are thinking about, how how do I grow in serving God more? So I I think... um, why don't we just spend some time to talk about our own journey in discovering what it's like to serve God more or to get into ministry more. Yeah, so um, why don't you tell us a little bit about our story? Sounds great. Well, uh, I certainly was not born an elder. I was actually born a sinner. <laughs> <laughs> uh, very, very far from God. Um, I think as we've shared on, on previous episodes, I did become a Christian in my early teenage mm-hmm. years. And... Uh, what was wonderful for me was I was part of a church when I, mm-hmm. I did become a Christian. Mm-hmm. And so that may not, may not be the case for, for some of our listeners, but was plugged into a church from very um, from that stage. And I think God really began to just put a love and a desire in me for Him and for His people and for His Word. And so I think the next couple of years really were just a slow unfolding of me getting more involved in church. Mm. Uh, it involved first joining a youth group in our church, actually. Mm. Uh, and, uh, yeah, just being involved in serving behind the scenes, making friends with the youth pastor, going out for coffees and talking. He would just take an interest in my life, actually. And so, actually, a lot of the ministry seeds that, I guess, um, have borne fruit now were sown many, many years ago by just regular church members, actually, mm. just loving me um, there were a number of older brothers actually in the church who were probably only three or four years older than me at the time but I mean when I was 14 that felt like a, like a very big gap 
who really took me under their wing as well, used to take me around and just invest in me. So that actually had a pretty a pretty significant impact on me as well. And I guess just made me more interested um, in the church too. And some of those brothers really loved God. So they, they, they really were zealous. And I think I just had like a love for God and the church modeled where they were getting up early in the morning to go for church prayer meetings, et, et cetera, et cetera. So that's probably where it began. Does that make sense? Yeah, because you grew up in church. So I guess it's natural for you to think about serving in church you were in youth group um i was actually a brand new christian in london like um this embarrassed to say like um more than 20 years ago how old are you eh? <laughs> my well you can do um educated calculations my girl is going for PSLEs. <laughs> um but um just thinking back i remember a very significant conversation actually because I was only involved not really involved I mean I was on the campus fellowship I was a brand new Christian um, I was in London many people were actually going to All Souls because of okay. the preaching and um, but a brother who spoke to me and his words really affected my decision of which church I, I went to in the end um, because he said to me look you really need to find a place where you can serve God. Okay. And what what exactly did he mean by serving God? Um, obviously, he meant it in a very narrow way. We understand okay. that serving God is actually with all of our lives. Um, but I think in that context, it does mean, you know, finding a community and um, being able to get plugged in okay. and, of course, doing certain things in that community that, looks like what people might say serving in church um, and that really affected my decision to whether I should for example attend there are plenty of good churches in London then right I mean, also Holy Trinity Brompton for example um, but in the end I went to what's called the Chinese Church in London okay um, not exactly like um, church known for well, very very good teaching um, if it's faithful um, to the gospel um, but because of my cultural background because I'm from a traditional Chinese family I could really see myself getting plugged in there and serving and I think that's actually where um, it kind of began right um, so it's, it's very different because the whole idea of attending church and getting plugged in the community was very foreign to me I mean as a brand new Christian I mean okay. after all I mean if you just become a Christian, you're just adopting a new religion, and that's that's what that that's what it looked like. So, um, but I, I guess that's how God actually then um, started me on that journey of um, serving church. That's is really great. I think that aspect of getting involved in serving is is a huge part of how God begins to use us. And some of those ways that we begin to serve may seem very minor or, or insignificant. Mm -hmm. One of the things that happened to me that was similar to your story was I started to get involved in our school student Christian association when mm -hmm. I was in high school, actually. Okay. And even though our school was like a like a mission type of school, um, there were very few Christians in the school. Mm -hmm. And one of the like CCAs um, was the Student Christian Association. And when I first went there, it was there were probably a thousand boys in the high school or, or at the school, wow. and probably fifteen boys in the Student Christian Association. It was very very small. Um, but I remember getting involved there, and I guess some of that ministry passion just started to get expressed there. Right where mm -hmm. after a couple of months I would lead some of the studies here and there mm. 
And so I, I think if I were to look back and see some of the things that I shared or taught, I'd be horrified by it now. But yet that's how God actually begins to grow us mm. is you just start to get involved in very small ways. And it sounds like uh, that advice that that brother gave you, which led you to the Chinese church, uh, did help you in that way. So tell me a little bit, how did you start to get involved um, in that Chinese church in London? Well, I think two main things that I was involved in in um, the Chinese church in London, apart from attending the service, obviously, would be um, um, I was part of the choir. You were part of the choir. Wow. Yeah. Ed, um, putting out some treasures from the past year. <laughs> yep. And of course, I'm well known for my musical talents uh, or lack of. Edward <laughs> uh, is known for clapping um, sometimes on beat. At RHC services. Thank you for saying sometimes. <laughs> I think that's very, very gracious of you. It's often not have, on beat, but We sometimes. have a gracious, generous culture, so I was happy to acknowledge that sometimes, even if it is random, um, you do get the beat correct. And um, I attended, um, so they, they didn't have a small group system. They had what's called a fellowship system where there's like a big group gathering every week Okay. where you gather for some Bible teaching and, and, and then fellowship and break into smaller groups. But all like on on site in church, um, but I think that was kind of like the beginning of uh, you know, you're a student, you have time, you spend time with people, you listen to their stories, you right. share your lives with them, and um, certain things just organically de- develop, right? Um, you listen to people's stories, and I didn't know that you call that encouraging or counseling each other then, okay. but then. Um, I remember even those times when we agonize over things like a brother or someone is going for baptism and because how you know about kind of the background, their motivations. So you're struggling whether to kind of like even say, hey, why don't you think about this? Okay. Because you might be looking at this from a wrong way, right? in those days, we were just figuring out ways to how to like um, getting each other's lives. We okay. were not told how to do that, but somehow, I think God just have a way of putting on, in the, putting us in that kind of environment where we will just get to know each other, and and because of Christian love, you you do want to actually get people to really know God and to 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 do what is right. That's kind of like the environment I was in. That's fantastic. You know, when, when I was uh, about 18 or 19 in our church as well, there was a whole group of us that were very kind of zealous for God. And I see how those kinds of questions that were raised, matters of baptism, those kinds of things that we would have to dive in and discover really actually grew our faith tremendously, right? Mm. Um, and yeah, so it is amazing how just being involved in a Christian community and having life challenges present themselves to you pre- gives an opportunity to actually study the scriptures, see what God's saying, and actually begin to grow some theological muscles, I guess, or some kind of biblical knowledge as well as just people skills in terms of how we walk with people as well. So when I look back to those years, 18, 19, 20, they were very, very formative for me, actually, in terms of just being part of a community that was trying to wrestle with scriptures Mm. and apply those to real life as well. So, What kind of different things have you done in church, bro? Wow. Uh, Well, I have done many, many different things in church. I... 
was very involved in the youth group. I did end up leading the Student Christian Association at my high school as well, actually. Uh, in fact, one of the first sermons I ever preached was actually to my high school. I asked the chaplain if I could preach to the entire school when I was about 17 years of age. Wow. And uh, in my very zealous state, you'll, you'll, you'll not uh, believe what my first sermon was, but I decided because this was like a nominally Christian school, mm-hmm. that I should preach on Revelation chapter 3, that if you're lukewarm, God will vomit you out of his mouth. Okay. And that was what I delivered to like 800 high school boys one Wednesday lunchtime. Uh, this first student giving a sermon to the whole school during chapel. And if Is you're lukewarm, your... he will vomit you out of his mouth. Is that your version of, um, you know, sinners at the hands of an angry God? <laughs> Probably something like that. But let me tell you, it was not nearly as effective uh, as Jonathan Edwards' sermon. I was fiery. I think there was probably very little gospel, probably very little grace. Um, but yeah, I, so I was involved in those kinds of things. And then at church, we used to get up and pray early mm-hmm. in the morning. Uh, I got very involved in the youth group. I ended up leading the youth group. Mm-hmm. We ended up starting community groups, actually, mm-hmm. that uh, I led. And we mm-hmm. multiplied a number of those when I was about 19 or 20. Mm-hmm. And that actually gave me a huge amount of preaching Opportunity because the model we had wasn't as much Bible study, more like someone delivers a mm. message or an encouragement message, and then people discuss afterwards. Mm. So I did that for years, basically just preaching through mm. books of the Bible, actually, which is where I learned a lot of, I guess, what I do today. So mm. those were some of the ways. And then uh, when I was, I did become an elder in the church at a very young age, actually. Mm. Um, the church called me to preach Mm. before I was an elder I preached a couple of sermons Mm. in the church from time to time Mm. uh, in the evening congregation actually we used to do morning and evening services Mm. and so it was sorry not evening congregation but like an evening service of the same church where you know 150 200 people would would come out so I started preaching there and that really helped me kind of grow ended up becoming an elder and when I was an elder I came on staff and then I got thrown into all different kinds of ministries which is partially you uh, I don't know if I want to share this this information publicly, but I was 22, I think, when I became an elder. Edit that out. I was uh, I, I was very young. I'd been married already for about two years, mm. and uh, I'd been serving in the church, teaching and preaching for for a long time. So I was the youngest elder in that church, mm. I think, ever in the history of the church. Wow! But I was part of a team of elders. There were about ten guys. Mm. And yeah, they were all kind of of a decent age, 30s, Mm. 40s, 50s. I was the youngster. But actually being a part of an environment like that really did help me grow and mature. So yeah, those those are some of the ways. So tell me a little bit about yourself after you spent that time um, in the UK. How did you continue to be involved and grow? Well, I came back to Singapore. I got involved in a Chinese congregation of a bigger church that's predominantly English speaking. And... Um, I guess in that sense, it was it has some semblance with um, like a startup church because of this like relative size to the English congregation. So okay. um, I found myself doing all sorts of stuff. So I led small groups. Okay. I um, I led worship. Uh, Sorry, when you uh, say you led worship, can you clarify what exactly do you mean? I was singing in front of people. You you weren't like leading services, uh, like uh, a service leader. You were leading the singing. I led services as well, but then I also led the singing part. Ed, hold on. I'm going to quickly find Aiden and stick you on the roster. Wow, that's amazing. I'll definitely fail the audition of uh, (laughs) RXC. Oh, that's hilarious. Um, So what did that teach you? I mean... 
How did you get involved in 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 leading singing, and how did that grow you or de- develop you? Um, I guess it's more like um, uh, th- I wanted to be an influence for good because I I think that the songs that they were singing weren't weren't that great. <laughs> okay, <laughs> so I. I wanted to help people to sing songs that uh, that were biblical, um, okay. that were um, rich in theology, but also um, able to help people to get to know God better. Okay. Um, and it was, a, I mean, should I say it was a pretty small community when I joined it. it was about maybe between fifty to eighty people max. In fact, smaller than that if I can remember. But it's like. Um, um, so I would say that the relative quality of the giftedness in music is uh, <laughs> is a rather in the lower end of the range. But you're rightly more concerned about the songs, the content, than uh, hitting the notes every time. Yeah, and um, we really want to be um, really want to edify and build people. So um, what I mean. There's a lot of things to be said, like um, helping people to come to grips with the basics of Christian faith. Um, a lot of people were new believers, or rather young believers who were old in age okay. as well. Um, so we did a whole different things. I actually at one point also led the youth ministry. Hey, we're in sync, man. We've uh, embarrassingly only like just um, a handful of youths. Okay. Um, and you learned. Um, looking back, I, I wish I learned more things um, in a sense that um, in real time, I'm sure I learned a lot of things, but um, a lot of the um, serving was also done in a sense of firefighting and um, there was not much pro- uh, post-processing, so to speak. Um, okay. Yeah. But I think what in the end is what God has put in there is that it's a conviction that when God puts you in a community, um, and these are the people he has called you to love. Mm. And you've got to find ways and means to love them. And I think it sometimes doesn't mean doesn't even mean serving in an official capacity. So for example, when I just joined RIC, um, not that I was particularly good in it, but I served in setup for quite a while, I remember. I remember that Ed. You yeah. led a setup team. And I indeed led a setup team and embarrassingly I remember there was once that I was late and my setup team had done everything. <laughs> so that wasn't <laughs> the best uh, setup experience for me. But um, but that's that's probably what um, um, I think about serving, I think. So I think what you really do as you join a community is that you begin to Think about how to love people, as I mentioned, but um, you begin to um, identify the needs that they have and you just try to fill them in whatever way that God has gifted you to do. And that is actually probably how God works in his body. Hmm. That's right. When I think back to some of the early elders at RHC, I think actually nearly all of them were involved in setup ministry uh, at some level, right? Mm. And a part of that was these weren't guys that were looking to come in and you know have authority or be the kind of big shots they just got stuck in involved serving whatever was needed um, but through that yeah ministry grows and their respect in the congregation grows I remember when I was about 21 I know this was all very young but I'd led the youth ministry at our church from about 18 to 19 about two years and it come to an end 
And late, about two, three years later, the, the pastor asked if Taryn and I, just after we got married, actually, or it was sometime around there, mm. would go back and lead the youth ministry again. Mm. And I thought I'd done my time. Mm. I was finished. I was thinking I'm going to become an elder. I would get involved mm. with like other preaching and, and uh, other ministry. And honestly, it was the hardest question I was asked. I just thought, Lord, I don't want to do this. <laughs> Please, anyone, send anyone but me. Don't you love the youth? Um, yeah, well, that's what I guess it was kind of exposing, right? But I think we just felt like we, we'd really done that. Uh, and so we prayed about it, and we felt like, okay, if that's what they're asking, we'll do it. It honestly wasn't easy. I still remember where I was standing in the church when he mm-hmm. asked me if I would do it. It was such a difficult conversation. Uh, just thinking, I really don't want to do this. But we ended up doing it. Um, we decided to launch, relaunch the youth ministry by doing a camp. Mm-hmm. for these kids where we took them away somewhere we charged them 99 rand which is the equivalent of about nine singapore dollars oh, <laughs> just so we could try and get as many people as possible on the that's camp quite it's uh, super cheap inexpensive. Man. yeah and uh we had like 80 80 people so, i mean we, we got like 80 kids to come along it was crazy and we just had the craziest weekend it was amazing people became christians on that weekend wow uh and we just ended up having like a couple of years of really good ministry to those youths um and God ended up doing something very, very special, actually, and that. And but I was humbled, thinking that this is something I didn't want to do. Mm. Uh, if you'd given me like a proper choice, mm. I would have just been like, I, I really don't want to do this. And yet God made it so kind of fruitful. So I think that also just to echo your point about one of the ways to get involved in ministry is not to look at your gifts and say, now where am I going to be most optimally used? Mm. That's not a bad question, but you look at the church and say, what gaps need plugging? can God use me and just be willing to do it? And he often does that very, very wonderfully. Well, I'm sure that some who are listening to our stories would at this point, like, so if I'm a young Christian or just any Christian, right? And I find myself in the body of Christ and I'm going to ask, what are some of the practical tips that I, that you would offer to me for trying to grow in ministry? What would you say? Well, got a couple of things in mind. I think the first is uh, really just begin to engage in real ministry. And what I mean by that is, uh, you know, real ministry is really getting involved in people's lives. So getting involved with people's struggles, their sanctification. I know when I was at the youngster um, in church, I often used to look at those preaching and say, that's the kind of ministry I want to do. And... Uh, there can be a temptation about some that some people have to want to do public ministry but not really be involved in people's lives. But actually finding the people you're in a community group with, who needs encouragement, counseling them, doing discipleship, walking alongside real people in hard situations, that is actually one of the most important places to start. Mm-hmm. And that's ministry every single one of us can do, right? The ministry mm-hmm. of loving one another, discipling yep. each other, encouraging each mm-hmm. other. So I think that's really the first place that I would start. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, RAC would say sign up for one-to-one Bible reading, find another mm-hmm. brother or sister that you can meet up with. If you've got the skills, offer to lead a community group. Just start somewhere. And actually, mm-hmm. it's just like you were saying, those practical questions of should this guy get baptized or not? When you When you face those questions with someone that you're walking with, that's how your convictions begin to grow and uh, and God begins to use you. So that's probably the first step. Uh, do you have something that you want to add to that? No, I think that um, one, one of the things you said just reminded me of uh, 1 John where 
uh, was John was writing to those Christians, right? Um, he ended it in chapter 1, verse 3, ended with, Our fellowship is with the Father and with His Son, Jesus Christ. And I'm writing these things so that you too may have fellowship with us. Okay. And when you think about that, um, I think there's a very real sense in which that um, Christian ministry is actually really an outflow of our relationship with God Himself. Right. We are not going to be able to give to people um, what we don't have in the first place. Um, but at the same time, we are not really so conscious about that I want to give to people because when you have already seen God, you have experienced, you tasted of His grace and mm. goodness, there's a natural compelling compulsion. Yes. Right. That you you feel in inside of you that you want to want others to actually share in this as well. Right. I think that a lot of my getting involved in my earlier days were actually very much informed by this. Absolutely. And so I think one of the I would talk just engaging in real ministry. One of the um I think most important thing is to always going back to the gospel or in a sense just asking for God to shower His grace in our hearts in such a way that we are renewed in our spirits um, so that we then um, are then propelled outwards to um, get involved in people's lives. Um, I think that's like um, that's a big part of what it means to grow in ministry, I think. Yeah, yeah if I think to, to RHC, right, I think about some people who have like highly effective ministries mm. who don't actually have any official role in the church. So they're mm. not leading a CG or a congregation or an elder even. But as you say, they love God. Mm. They have rich devotional life with Him. And their life is magnetic. It's compelling. They have friends in church. They're encouraging mm. people. And they are having such an effective ministry just through their conversations, building up one another. But they don't actually hold like an official office or title. And so... I think uh, I remember when I was in South Africa and they used to talk about elders, they would often mm. say, you know, elders are often those in the church who are recognized mm. because they're in a sense already doing some of the practical work of right. eldering, not the governing, but the shepherding and caring for people. Yeah, already eldering. Yeah, they're, they're already eldering. And mm. it's just kind of more like a formal recognition of that. And so yeah, the, the encouragement is just dive, like love yeah. God, dive and get involved in people's lives. Mm. And anyone can do that in any church, actually. It's great. I think another thing that uh, I would recommend for people that are just wanting to grow and be more involved is to uh, learn a little bit more about the local church. Uh, sometimes we can assume that we understand what church is, how it works, what the Bible says about it, mm -hmm. actually. I know that in my 20s, I came to appreciate in a deeper way just ecclesiology and mm -hmm. what, what the church is and means and how it should work. Mm -hmm. And that actually really helped to inform and shape mm -hmm. my ministry. Um, and actually really strengthened me. So that's something I'd encourage people to to read up good books about and, and work out what is the church, how is it supposed to function, and uh, how, how does that work? I think we should also have, um, I think, an expanded idea of the ministry of the Word. Um, I think it's very easy for us to be thinking, like, oh, what it means to look like teaching, or preaching the word just means standing up in front of people, uh, preaching on a Sunday, or even leading a CG. But there's a very real sense in which that the ministry of word actually begins even with a conversation that, ha that occurs outside the toilet or just a random phone call you have for a brother and sister. Um, it, it can often begin with uh, sim simple questions like, how was your week? Um, how did you find a sermon? And what 
really happens in those conversations is that at some point you'll feel compelled to either sh- share God's joy with them mm. or to share some kind of God's word with them and that if you like is actually how the Bible talks about how the body teaches each other speaking the truth to each other in love mm. and so it builds itself up and um, as we do that more and more you will find that what happens is that your ministry of encouragement or ministry of quote-unquote teaching then becomes more, and more then you may find yourself having opportunities that may formalize it may or may not get there because God may use it in such a way that you're just Barnabas you're someone who actually just encourages people tremendously right. although you never stand out on any on a crowd but you are such a treasure to the church right. but for some you may be grow that gift to the point where you are going to be standing out from people or leading a, in a group encouraging them and you learn how to be more clearer in in how you present things but those things come with experience but this begins with very tiny baby steps in just talking to people on a one-to-one basis or even a more inf- in a largely informal basis it's really great i remember one of the things our church in south africa used to uh, just remind us of all the time is how yeah, the scriptures encourage us um, that he who's faithful and little will be entrusted with much. And mm. I think often for those who are who think God may give them some kind of a public ministry, uh, the faithfulness in the little in these ways, encouraging others, being faithful with small groups, building one another up, is actually one of the tests that God can actually entrust you later on to be able to share his word with others in other forums too. I think one of the comments about teaching and leading would just be... Uh, take every opportunity that you can i remember when i was in in those teenage years i would find every opportunity to preach i would offer to go to high schools other youth groups just wherever i could and just the frequency of that experience really did help develop that gift Uh, and then open yourself to feedback and allow others to kind of share and encourage you too what about one other thing maybe before we wrap up ed Hmm. Uh, what about pastoral skills Uh, i guess this is something that all of us are become increasingly aware over the years we really need to grow in hmm. when we're young we all think that we're pretty good with people um, I think and then you realize oh gosh people get offended um, and actually really loving and walking with people takes real intentionality and, hmm. and wisdom uh, how have you tried to grow in those things over the years and how would you encourage our listeners I think again it begins with um, I think I can imagine those baby steps even I mentioned about the brother who was thinking about getting baptized um, and first of all I think what I learned from those things is that God calls us into difficult conversations okay but sometimes we have to stop people from doing what they want right. so that they can do what God wants them to <laughs> right which is difficult um, and um, another um, sorry so something that GK Chesterton said that always motivates me is that if something is worth doing is worth doing badly all right so just because we do it badly doesn't mean that we don't have to do it mm. uh, however that's where also the good news is because uh, that's in a sense practice makes perfect okay you learn through experience you learn through making mistakes you learn through that oh um, even with our understanding growing of 
knowledge of who God is and you you, you lead with grace or you, you know there's, there's just a multitude of things that um that are helpful um, for myself um, in the in the past years um, just even reading certain CCF articles understanding how the human heart actually works how it's actually connected to um, why we do what we do for example and just being with patient people listening to their stories so I remember vividly that um, it was Ed Welsh who spoke at a Desiring God conference and he spoke of this how when he was counseling student and his teacher was actually modeling counseling for him and in the first seven sessions, seven hours, the teacher never actually said a single thing except asking questions, asking questions, just listening and listening. Wow, that's a long time. It's a long time. Um, maybe we, f- we feel they don't have the kind of time. But then I think what it meant was actually that to listen first, get into the world of the other person well, is so important. Yeah. So, um, and understanding the complexity of people being sinners, being saints, but also sufferers at the same time, and how these three... Um, interact with one another in in a situation. I think these things have been very helpful for me in um, developing pastoral skills. That's great. I definitely agree for some of, a lot of people at RHC, we encourage them to do CCF um, course, Mm. Dynamics of Biblical Change, some Mm. of the others that they've offered, and that's borne massive fruit, both in people's own sanctification and in helping them walk with others too. That's great. Well, we've come to the end. Um, So before we end, we are gonna recommend a book to our listeners. So, Ed, do you have something to recommend that you've been reading recently or maybe something that you've read a long time ago that you think our listeners would be encouraged by? I don't really have any uh, on top of my mind, but Simon, would you have anything to recommend for us? I uh, have not finished it, but I'm about halfway through Carl Truman's new book called um, The Rise and Triumph of the Modern Self, which is a book that explores, uh, from a historical point of view, actually, how we got to this moment in history where... The sentence, I am a woman trapped in a man's body, um, makes sense. And Truman tries to understand what is the psychology, how is the world developed where actually people can talk like this, and it's it actually is accepted by, by many people. It's a fascinating read. I'm finding it very helpful in terms of understanding the culture mm-hmm. uh, so that as we preach God's eternal truth into this broken uh, current context we understand it and are able to apply scripture in a better way so that's something I would really recommend I'm really looking forward to reading that book I want to get a copy for myself that's all the time we have for today thanks so much to our listeners for joining us today we hope to see you next time we hope to see you next time